0: You're listening to the Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And yes, this was formerly the Badass Lady Folk of Brooklyn, focusing specifically on badass women and non-binary folks based in Brooklyn. But now, even though the show is on Radio Free Brooklyn, even though I'm in Brooklyn, I'm interviewing incredible women and NB folks from everywhere. I generally try to stay in the New York City area, But I am bringing in guests from other places. If you all have been listening to other episodes lately, then you might have heard of folks from Philly. I do tend to draw from Philly these days because my siblings are there and it seems like more and more New Yorkers, ex-New Yorkers have relocated to Philadelphia, another wonderful city. Not as good as New York, but still a pretty good city. Uh, so thanks, as always, for listening. This has been a transition period. Again, those who have been tuning in lately know that I was on Radio Free Brooklyn. I was off of Radio Free Brooklyn doing the Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple thing. And now I am back. Today, my lovely guest is Jess Appel. Welcome, Jess. Hi. Thank
1: you for having me. Yeah,
0: of course. And Jess, my dear listeners, is an actor. I'm trying to use the gender neutral term and not say actress all the time. I'm not going to be like in that Andy Griffith episode Lady Pharmacist, right? <laughs> but Jess is a stage actor, a blossoming screen actor, producer, a little bit of a writer, a singer but generally a creative kind person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how do I know Jess? I know Jess because our mutual friend and theater person, Amanda Andrews recommended her for my play, forget fairy tales. And this would have been at the end of 2021 Uh, We were looking to replace someone in the cast. We needed someone pretty quickly because we were staging the show in early 2022 at the Broadway Comedy Club. We met over Zoom. She came to my apartment. (laughs) It was a whole adventure. And after that, I somehow convinced this woman to be in like, I don't even know, a million plays (laughs) after that. Is like
1: at least six. It's yeah. <laughs> the same year. Can we talk about that? Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, we can. <laughs> I'm still shocked. Yeah. I try to think about all that we accomplished in 2022. Yeah. It did not really hit me until I saw on this work table I had in my previous apartment the stack of scripts yeah. that we had produced. Like, I had written, yeah. Jess had acted in, and there was even a script that was missing from that pile, and it was still such a thick-ass pile. Yeah.
1: I had that, I had that same uh, moment in my house, because I have, uh, next to my printer, like, my scripts that I'm doing, or I've done recently, those I was like, how is that possible? But, yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, it's just really crazy. I, you know, before or since the start of the pandemic from 2020 till the end of 2021, I hadn't done, uh, you know, anything. I maybe on zoom I had, I taken 6,000 classes. Um,
0: like what, what were some
1: of the classes? My favorite were, um, my dialect classes. Um, like don't ask me to do anything right now. But <laughs> I was gonna say it's the perfect opportunity. No, totally. I'm actually I'm uh, doing this play right now, where I have I decided to use a southern accent for it. Uh, one of the characters, not mine actually, but one of the characters in it. Her name is Stella, and of course, the first thing I thought it was Stella, and then you know Blanche being like from the south. And so I decided just right at the start that. My character it just came out at the reading. I was like, "Hi, Angelica," you know, and, and I just did the entire reading like that, and they were like, "Oh wow, okay,
0: wow, I guess that's
1: happening," and it was great.
0: So that is a streetcar named Desire right? by Tennessee Williams, dear listeners. Right. For those who are not theater nerds or even literary nerds,
1: right, 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 right. <laughs> right. my my current play, um, starring Guardian, is totally not set in the South. It's set in heaven. Um, I'm a, a lucky star uh, to a really like horrible dictator, and there's a guardian to the same. A guardian
0: angel. Yes, a guardian yeah,
1: yeah. angel, excuse me. Totally.
0: Um, and that was written by a previous guest of mine, listeners. You might have listened to her episode. Megan J. Meehan is a playwright. For that play, a short play, it's what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, I
1: think it's like 15 15 Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Could you talk about the experience of going through that play as a festival play? Oh, yeah. And where it's been and all of that exciting news.
1: Totally. Totally. So, um, I got the script and I know it had been, I think it had been done as a reading. Um but I had never, I had never looked at the script before. And and of course, like many of the plays that I have done over the past couple of years, it was a really quick turnaround. Um, and that was a bit of a, a challenge, but, um, my, um, uh, castmate and I, um, basically we got the script. Uh, her name is Catherine Mullis and she's a fantastic, fantastically fun actress. Um, We both got the script, uh, and yeah, neither of us had ever read it before, but we learned about this festival um, at the Secret Theater. It's like a short, I think it's called the Short Play
0: Festival. Yeah, Um, and that's in, in, where is it now? Woodside, Queen. Okay, Woodside. Yeah. Um, It used to be in Long Island City, so some listeners might... Recognize this theater from before it closed, right? Exactly, and reopened. Yeah. Okay, so secret.
1: Yeah. So it's a cool new space, and it, the theater festival is kind of crazy. They have like, I mean, the, so there's eight plays in just my like section, <laughs> and that's I'm in like section D or something, something like that. I think it goes all the way to G, so there are that many plays. They present, like, basically one night a week, and then they're ranked by the people who watch them at the end from one to eight. So, like, even if your friends come to the show and they're like, you get an eight, you have to vote for the next best person. So hopefully you're actually voting for, you know, what you think is in order of the best and whatever. Um, so it kind of, like, evens out. And we've had, like, four, four different... Uh, performances, and my play right now is in the first place.
0: Woo! It's really fun. First place, yeah. And it's funny because
1: they're all different. Like one, the one right before me is such a serious play. Um, <laughs> this woman, uh, well, I don't know if I should spoil it or not. There's these two sisters, and they're in the hospital. Their moms just had a heart attack, um, and it's this. Conflict about like why did she have this heart attack and then there's this big twist at the end, so I get to hear this play while I'm in the wings, like, and then and then
0: you go on and the stage I go
1: on in a gold like metallic star Halloween costume foil yeah,
0: yeah looks
1: like something I yeah. have dunce cap on my head basically that's like a gold. I, it's the top of the star. I have these leggings that I got from Amazon that are like cosmic leggings. Um, and we have to go and do this ridiculous comedy. So it's it's interesting, but it's, it's fun. I think people are taking it, receiving it well. So.
0: In the playwrights episode, in Megan J. Meehan's episode, she was describing her plays as absurdist. Oh, and yeah. I think that definitely yes. is the right Absolutely. label.
1: Absolutely. I, I think I have like, found my niche in <laughs> absurdist, absurdist comedy. Yeah. You want a totally bizarre character to come to life in a slightly believable way.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm your... <laughs> because the plays you did for me, the comedy plays, yeah. at least, were all absurdist. Yeah. All over the top, yeah. bizarre. Yeah. That's my favorite humor. I just, if
1: you can't get down with absurdism what is wrong
0: with you okay so what have you been in my place you've been an otter <laughs> you've been a sex toy yes
1: uh a clown pimp oh yeah so the pimp of a clown <laughs> <laughs> I, to clarify <laughs> to, to clarify um, a fairy a fairy uh i'm trying to think of oh uh, a social media influencer that's mm. an actual person that's hey
0: somehow somehow for real
1: yeah uh a like
0: an only fans <laughs> oh yeah yeah like only fans influencer, influencer kind of person uh like a cyborg uh office yep. worker oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. person. Just you know, run in the mill. Yeah. <laughs> At one point Jess turned to me and was like, Christine, could I be a real person <laughs> one day in one of your plays? Because in the drama she did for me, Mi abuela wow. Queen of Nightmares. Yes.
1: Which was not absurdist. It was not
0: absurdist. Yeah. It was it was a drama. Surrealist. Yeah. Surrealist uh mythological almost yes. yeah. archetypal is a word I've heard it's definitely experimental yeah you were a jaguar yep a cactus mm-hmm. and an owl yes <laughs> so how did you get into theater what fascinated you uh from a young age or at whatever point yeah. and why are you still doing this <laughs> <Good job. laughs> why Um,
1: so my mom was a modern dancer um, and all of my family have just sort of always been in the arts like recreationally no one is a professional uh, anything my uncle did some stuff like way back in the day for theater Um, but yeah so I've like gone to plays she would take me to play she still takes me to plays my mom is freaking awesome Um, and so when I was in, when I was in elementary school, I could read, I was able to read just like really early on. So we did my first play with the little red hen, which is like a book, like a kid's book. And it's really sweet about like, who will help me sow my seeds? And like, you know, the other characters like, not me, said the dog, not me, said the whatever.
0: Um, what grade was this?
1: Kindergarten. (laughs) So, they needed someone to be the narrator, and I was like, you know.
0: Like, I can oh, read! Yeah, exactly. Losers! <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> I got to like pick who the other narrator was, and I like really wanted to choose my childhood crush, and then instead I was like a super professional and chose the kid who could read.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> other <laughs> child who was literate, <laughs> who knew more than his ABCs.
1: <laughs> they could both read just was scared. <laughs> it's so yeah, so school, basically. I've been uh, I did a lot of plays. I had was so lucky to have really creative teachers. Um, to my elementary school teachers, you know, in addition to like teaching. Ha huh, ha, huh, addition, you know, um, or just <laughs> also
0: You liked school. your joke. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fabulous. Once in a, like if I ever get to tell a dad joke. Anyway, so, you know, they, they were so generous in giving their time, um, to just getting us into like the arts. And I sang in a gospel choir when I was younger. Um, that's how I learned how to sing. And this was
0: at church or in school? In school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My
1: little school in Denver, Colorado. Um, was like a, a majority of like it was the majority of people who went there were black people like it was like in the like just in the area i lived in denver and we had and
0: listeners jess is not black all
1: right. <laughs> Sorry. hi you can't see me um but anyway, so not that you can't sing in a gospel choir if you have one at your school where you're not black, but <laughs> it was a different experience I have heard than you know, some of my other friends who've grown up in different communities. Um, yeah, that was fabulous. So I just was exposed to all of these different things growing up, I, you know, and, and I got into more choirs, and then I was in plays, and, um, and then I went to school for acting. My sister was an actor before me in school, and she was so good. She is so good, but she kind of decided to go, like, on the, we say that on, on the clean side of the clean The clean side.
0: The
1: um, so she More it. administrative. Yeah, exactly. Just patches powerhouse. Anyway, um, but I saw her as this fabulous actress, and I was like, I want to do that.
0: And how many grades above you was she in school? Four. So
1: we were never in the same, like, actual school together except for like one year in, in elementary school. But actually she did this is funny, in high school, she did two really absurdist pieces. She did Rhinoceros and she did something by Christopher Durang called Naomi in the Living Room. And she was this character in Naomi who, you know, just is high school, so you have to like cast people who are younger is older people. <laughs> like 45 exactly, year olds. Exactly. She was the mom and just this off the wall, completely bizarre character. Um and that was that was my hook. I was like, oh my God, that is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so like Christopher During was like a huge um like influence on what I like. Also my dad went to Catholic school and you have to have like such a dark sense of humor coming out of that so Catholicism yeah no offense (laughs)
0: so yeah so then I went to
1: school for it I was in a I feel like we're talking about this
0: for a really long time. No, it's okay. okay. This is all about you. All right, this is your episode. <laughs> you are the focus. <laughs> I'm the moderator. I'm the spiritual medium. You, you, you will keep me on track and be like, she's
1: just, come on. Um, I was yeah,
0: like, you're being such a narcissist in this <laughs> interview, interview show about, about you. Hmm. <laughs> we'll examine that another time. Later.
1: Alright, um, yeah, so I was in this, uh, Shakespeare play, and, uh... In high school or college? In high school, thank you, um... Which one? Uh, Comedy of Errors, and I was cast as one of the Dromeos, so they're, like, the clowns, basically, of the show, um... I'm like, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> but, Not
0: a real human. Yes. <laughs> exactly, right? God. Character actor. Exactly. Um,
1: which is just so much fun. Uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but I was in that show, and at the beginning of that show, uh, we had this huge ensemble sort of circus piece, like, to introduce the play, we had people juggling, we had people, um, like, I don't know, doing like some acrobatics, it was just so crazy, and I was in the wings, because I had to go on stage, like, pretty much right after that, and I'm looking at these people doing this, like, you know, collaborative, but beautiful piece on stage, and people in the audience just cracking up. And I had this moment, I was in 10th grade, and I was just like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. That was my moment, where I was like, oh, yeah, this is it.
0: And that would have been at high school in New Jersey, correct? correct? Yeah. So at what point did you move from Colorado to New Jersey? Because, I was 10. Okay, but you were born in New Jersey right no I was
1: born in Colorado oh yeah.
0: okay 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 so you moved from Colorado to New Jersey yeah, when, when you 10. were 10 mm-hmm. okay so it was
1: all of elementary school was in Denver and then okay
0: but your family is from New Jersey yeah, my originally
1: family, my mom grew up in Manhattan my dad grew up in New Jersey
0: Okay, okay, okay. So you always had your New Yorker connections, right? Yeah. Lucky yeah. duck. <laughs> I don't know
1: the connections were exactly except like
0: I know. Associations. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. I have family here and friends. And, yeah, we. Have, my family was known as the Loud family in Colorado. <laughs> like literally, that's what people called us because they were like.
0: Or New York and New Jersey, and we we're just like <laughs> you know? they probably also thought you were impatient, oh, yeah. a little bit rude, right? Of course, <laughs> just too fast, yes,
1: very fast. all the time. And my dad like would drink like eight pots of coffee every day, also, so like that, you know, helped.
0: <laughs> and they were just chill about everything, yeah. Totally. Maybe too chill, yeah. in your view <laughs> or your family's view.
1: Right. Uh, it was a great place to grow up, though. Like I, I tell people all the time they're like you're so happy like what's the deal (laughs) you're from the east coast i'm like well i half grew up here but like i swear colorado uh i don't know if it's all colorado but Denver is like 322 days of sun a year which is insane and so i'm like everyone there is just happy because you have just got the sun all the time (laughs) you know like people walk down when i moved to the east coast (laughs) i was in sixth grade like walking to school One of my first days, and uh, this person was passing me, and I was like, hi, and like waved my hand. I swear, they looked at me like I was the craziest loony (laughs) bin, and I was like, what just happened? And I was like, oh, I'm not home anymore. (laughs) Anyway, I'm honestly, I'm like so glad to have had both experiences. Yeah. I feel like I had this like super... You know, heartwarming, just, that sounds terrible if I'm saying the opposite of that. <laughs> like, you know, wonderful, just like bright experience where things are a little bit slower paced and just, yeah, super chill. And then moving to the East Coast and being like, okay, all right, now we get down this energy. And I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. So I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a range of experiences in just about any kind of culture like I I wouldn't even say just geography within the U.S. but or or even just
1: yeah
0: just life experiences in general it's wonderful to have a range of things to draw from especially especially if you're a creative person because it's something that can inspire your work absolutely and you don't just have one lens right you don't just have one viewpoint yeah so, could you talk about the kinds? You did mention absurdist theater, <laughs> but I'm curious about what other kinds of stories appeal to you, or when you first read a play or, or watch a play, what grabs your attention? And I also want to know about your biggest turnoffs. Ooh. Yeah, I wow. want both.
1: Oh my gosh, I would love that.
0: Um,
1: that's such a good question. Okay first grabs my attention or if I'm watching a play, I think I, I, I mean, this might be so generic, but like, I really, I just like plays where you're inspired, Mm. where I am inspired by them. I don't want to watch something and be like, oh God, what is the point of this? Or it's just like, um, just like trying to catch your attention and like be, bold in ways that are just gross or just mm. sexual like don't really have a point and they're just I don't know flashy and you're like what is the point of this? yeah
0: like shock value Exactly. Shock yeah, value. yeah yeah yeah.
1: I was, like, mm.
0: I was yeah. thinking also in terms of what you were saying maybe things that are trying too hard to be smart like oh. calling attention to yeah, that
1: yeah absolutely I think I want I yes I really appreciate I mean I appreciate it intellectuals period but I want something I want something that like one everyone can connect to Mm -hmm. um that I think gets my attention um and also just I think things that comment on like uh, you know social commentary political commentary like feminist commentary um you know things that draw attention to uh like social justice things, just, like, things that are not your everyday run-of-the-mill subjects, um, but also just, like, relationships, I think that's, you know, if you don't have strong relationships, and also, um, you know, conflicting dynamics, I think, Mm -hmm. like, obviously, like, um, you know, tension, and, Drama in a way that really shows kind of an equal point, like equal sides of two different point of views, so that you're Mm -hmm. walking away from something going, oh, well, like what do I? I could see that from that person's perspective more than I thought I could before. I thought I liked this character going in, but wow, what about Mm -hmm. this character? Um. Yeah, yeah, I went, that sense?
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I went to a reading the other day and of course there was a Q&A afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I am not always a fan of that because sometimes yeah. it seems like people in the audience don't necessarily want to ask a question. They just mm-hmm. want to get on a soapbox and make a comment and sometimes deliver their own monologue totally. to assert whatever their point is. Yeah. But in this case, I did generally benefit from the Q and A. People generally asked actual questions, um, and it wasn't just like oral masturbation. (laughs) Painful. Yeah, I think that
1: even like in plays, you have that too. Yeah, just like oh my
0: god, it's like this is all about your ego. But something the playwright said and i've heard this before but i needed this reminder is that theater is or can be catharsis, catharsis yeah right it can be cathartic right. in a way that television and film are not mm. because with tv and film especially these days with binge watching oh, and yeah. blockbusters and online online spoilers streaming like all these uh, financial pressures and competing with social media, with competing with TikTok for attention, uh, there can be so much emphasis on technology and very fast-paced plots with lots yes. of twists and turns right. that yeah. get you addicted to watch the next thing yes. because they have to hook you to watch the next thing mm. instead of there being such an emphasis on, as you were saying, relationships, yes. the dynamics between two people an excellent play can just have two actors absolutely you don't need a cast of like 25 people and all this spectacle
1: yeah
0: some of the best plays are like that
1: absolutely
0: could you talk about the play you did for the atlantic theater class uh this was on zoom yeah we did
1: I've done actually a
0: oh okay but the the one i watched i think it was paper cranes oh or, yeah, yeah yeah i would love to hear more about that play yeah. why you chose it yeah. what attracted you to it and yeah. if those are the kinds of characters you'd prefer to play in dramas when you're doing dramas
1: absolutely um so yeah it was animals out of paper that's uh, right by <laughs> rajiv joseph i think i'm i think i've got that right um
0: Yeah, so we had to,
1: we, well, it was just a, I had, you know, one other partner. I had to pick um, a a play that uh, we wanted to do. We found this piece. Oh my God, this piece is just phenomenal. Um, We, I think what was really cool about that experience is I read so many plays. Um, And this one is a little bizarre, Uh, but uh, it it actually in the beginning of the the class we had to give an explanation of what our play was about and we're going like around and around and around in circles and um, my partner Kartik and I we really couldn't figure out how to explain this play um, except for basically saying that there's this uh woman she is a um origami artist and she has been through like some really traumatic stuff as of late and she has not folded anything uh since she had this has had these traumatic experiences she was divorced um her dog died you find that out later in a really like horrible ways um for the dog like saves her life and then eventually ends up dying actually it's not oh no I think it died because it was old actually <laughs> know, that up. anyway um,
0: still sad yeah
1: super sad like um and then she meets this uh character who is an origami teacher he comes into her life by ringing her doorbell and the the play starts with Um, him just being like hello and she's like hello she's at her studio she's not at her house she's living as like this recluse with all of these you know uh, takeout boxes in the apartment and she is like who the heck is this she hasn't told basically no one's seen her in two months um and he comes in and it's this serious story but there's so much comedy and it's funny because it's serious. Um, and I think that's definitely something that like I absolutely love. And I think finding kind of dark humor, but, um, it, it being like, it's writing that line of, uh, you know, comedy and drama. I think that's like, that's totally my sweet spot. And that's totally, um, the kind of work that I absolutely love to do. My, uh, Karen Kohlhaas, who was uh, helping us, she's uh, the Atlantic, um, f- sorry, brilliant uh, <laughs> director. Um, and uh, she has, in the beginning of uh, this scene that we started doing, uh, she just had him come in. And all of my lines, I just, instead of just having this back and forth, um, you know, sort of quippy comedic dialogue, which it totally could be, she had me just wait. Like, with everything that he said, I would wait as long as possible to say my next line.
0: Like you were processing it?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yes, processing it, but also sort of like, um, really looking at him like, what
0: mm. do you want?
1: judging him in a way Mm. trying to figure this out but also like uh you know I don't want to talk too much about like my process but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the idea of like wanting him to leave you know Mm. but also being totally appreciative that someone has finally come and seen her in two months you know and she's like one of her lines is she's like and the first person who comes and sees me is the Treasure for American Origami. Like she's just, you know, she has this like explosion. Um, but where we it was this, just the comedy came out of the awkwardness of me just not responding to him and his mm. being uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and and then it became this like incredibly sweet story about. The two of them coming together he brings this student of his uh into her life uh, she sort of takes him along as a, a mentee except that she's not really doing anything <laughs> because she isn't folding anything and he's already this brilliant uh student who does origami all on his own um but it becomes this extremely sweet story it's like a, it becomes a love story that then becomes very complicated mm. um, towards the end when she and this student go to Japan together for an origami convention and the idea of, like, love and what is love and them kind of getting folded together. And the
0: student's a high school student, correct? correct? Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, you know, I'm obviously not advocating that. But... um. It's really interesting and having this sort of like very confusing moment of like is this a moment she kisses him on the forehead i think hmm. no he i'm sorry he tries to kiss her hmm. he does it twice and i think at one point she kisses him on the forehead and she basically he's like i'm so sorry i'm sorry and she's like it's okay like and so then there's this moment where it's like, is she mothering him? What is this oh. moment? Um, and then they like come back to the states and this comes out that this has happened. Oh, the teacher is like, what? <laughs> and he is also like the sweetest but like biggest dork like, in the whole world, and he has like been drawn out of his shell by her and has given her all of this you know they've developed all of this trust and then it's just broken Hmm. Um, so it's like it's a complicated story yeah really makes you think like whoa yeah you know and just throws all of these uh, uh, like what would I do in that situation you know
0: um, it's complicated but it's still very centered on human exactly. relationships yes. and dynamics. Absolutely. It's not a spectacle. No. It's not flashy. And it's kind of
1: simple in yeah. a way while being super complicated. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's not flashy at all.
0: Yeah. And that's something that, again, I think can be achieved so beautifully in theater. Yes. Um, and I would say that in european film you'll see that Hmm. sort of dynamic like things that are pared down and an art house film in general in different cultures but definitely it's not the hollywood approach right to movies no and and tv right
1: and and the ones if you think about it like i don't know why this came into my head but like marriage story Mm
0: -hmm. oh that's true you
1: know that's yes it's that is just so. It's so uncomfortable. It's so weird, but it's such this like super, like simple but complicated story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and
0: that's something that could work as a play. I wonder if it is a play. Absolutely,
1: that's a really good question. But it should be if it's not.
0: Yeah, we're talking about
1: turning <laughs> films
0: into plays. Yes, maybe
1: take one that's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's sort of what I was just thinking though, is like it's it's about human connections, but being human is complicated. Yes. It's hard and it's not simple. It's not just girl walks into boy's life and you know, boy loves the girl, but it's confusing. And mm-hmm. you're like, Where are the stories that are not that freaking story? Yeah. You know? Yeah and, yeah, and I feel yeah. like people are now at least some in television, like, more people are being represented, and you're telling some slightly different stories, you know, um, people, I, I don't know, but it's still, like, you've got these conventional stories, and it's nice right. to get down to these really nitty gritty, you know, things that aren't talked about all the time.
0: yeah. Well, I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit, and I think this is a great turning point for that. In personal conversations with each other, we've talked about feminism, we've talked about uh, race relations or racial equity, and I'm wondering as an actor, as a white woman, where you see yourself and what you see your responsibilities being because you from what i know of you really try to be a kind person with empathy and you try to do the work and try to reflect yeah um but i'm wondering if you could talk about what you see as your role your responsibility in the theater and then in life wow (laughs) yeah
1: i mean i think that's a great way to put it i love that like what is my responsibility it's such a good word it just gets straight to the point Um, because I think there has to be a point of why we're doing this you know I'm not an actor because I at least I'm not like because I'm like look at me I mean you might think it because of the bizarre things I do Um, (laughs) but like I'm really trying to still tell important stories Um, so yeah it's it's really interesting because um, I think I always thought well for a while that my, my responsibility was just to tell stories about you know to help people feel feel their feelings that they weren't necessarily comfortable you know feeling and allowing people to feel um, and I always I grew up in really like diverse towns I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey after I grew up in Denver and so we were a very like mixed community especially in my um like high school uh program of Dramatic Arts um but especially I would say while I feel like I've always been like an ally and an advocate for um I think just having more than like you know cis white women and men being on screen and just uh being able to tell stories in general or being having it be like more of a community you know having the work on stage and in film reflect actual society especially like in new york um
0: yeah how is it that these new york stories Often end up being so white, yeah, and so traditionally gendered. Absolutely, it's. That's not New York. That's not the New York I know.
1: (laughs) And it's not exactly, Um, but I think so. In the past couple of years, I think with the pandemic, we had you know several way too many. Um, and continue to have way too many um, just uh, examples of where our society is has been totally messed up and is totally messed up and has been for forever, you know. And I feel like those those that is really coming out you know into the light of day for so many people who you know I I grew up in Montclair New Jersey but Montclair New Jersey is it's a bit of a bubble you come out of that and you're like oh like there are a lot of racist people I didn't really understand that and also you know having like as of 2020 like really um after like the George Floyd murder uh and just like incredible, you know, like uh solidarity happening, um, I would say with people that I knew, um and people coming together. I'm like, hey, I am getting to a point here. No,
0: uh, it's okay, I love it. Uh, just following that train of thought. Uh, this is my brain.
1: Um people coming together, it 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 really to me it It helped me see, especially, and I think a lot of white women um, and just maybe just people in general, um, you know, being someone who's like, I'm not racist. I grew up in these towns and I know all of this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, and then having to totally flip that on its head and say, like, whoa, like, where have. Where have I missed the mark? Where have I, you know, not been aware of things that, like, are huge, you know, um, that happen in our society that are totally unfair, um, obviously, and terrible, and um, so anyway, so coming, like, out of that, really feeling, I mean, they're, they're, was a long time after that uh after the beginning of like t- 2020 but i just felt like it is my responsibility to help tell people's stories who have not been told whose stories right now people are willing to hear and listen to um and take that opportunity you know to um I try to help make that happen, but it also like made me feel like I have no. I my story does not need need to be told right now. I did. I I did not. I never want to see another white person. On <laughs> like this is where I was at. Like,
0: yeah, that's I, the other extreme, though. Well, right. this is what I'm
1: saying. So having that be, and I'm telling you, that's really how I felt. But having the white guilt, <laughs> happen, right? And then it all comes out, and you're like, oh my god. White women's tears. Um, <laughs> but it's surreal, You know? And then and then having uh, conversations with friends, you know, even... It is weird. It's weird. It's weird being... I'm just being honest. It's weird being a white woman right now. And I mean, fuck. That's, excuse my language. No, no it's okay. Really we can curse
0: on this. <laughs>
1: um, it, you know, even that is like, just shut up, Jessica. Um, it's, it's, for me things shifted when I got out of that headspace and mm-hmm. was like how can you actually be an ally right? Um, how can you be anti-racist as opposed right. to not racist? Um, and I had a I was talking about this earlier actually um, I had a friend recently um, who was like a person of color um, say to me like, you're the only way that you can be an ally, is by being in the game you have to right. show up to be an ally yeah you know so for me i think my responsibility is just to not just support of course to go out and see shows that are you know um have uh, you know black casts, people of color in their cast you know promote those things um and try those types of plays, like those plays, um, but also to to use my me being an actress to as a space to um, you know show up for people and also just be able to be a person who unfortunately has like more of a voice than other people in certain circles and be able to. Um, you know, put my foot down. If anyone's saying anything that's like super messed up, people do that. You know of what course. I mean? And having to, or not having to, being the person that's like, no, I'm going. I'm going to say something. This is inappropriate. You know. Um, but I think also like I uh, appreciate so much of being given. You know the opportunity to learn those lessons like it's unfortunate that other people have to put themselves out there and teach you know white people and white women like here's how to be an ally here's how to do this please do this and while i might have done that already i think now i'm like extra 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 aware of it And, you know, if I'm creating my own pieces, making it a freaking point to have a cast that is not all white people. Of course, I would just not do that inherently because that's just not, those are not who my friends are (laughs) necessarily. Like I have, I'm in New York, I have a very diverse group of friends. But making sure that, you know, I'm not just telling my, even my own story. If If it is my own story, also owning the parts of my story that you know have made me uh have made help make me an ally you Mm -hmm. know um and rep trying to represent that truthfully knowing that like and also keeping an such an open mind that like i i am learning new things every day i yeah i need to be learning new things every day you know and how to show up i'm not saying like I now know
0: how to be, like, the best ally. I'm... Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. I admire anyone who's committed to learning and growth. I think that is the best way to live life. And that is how you are going to serve others. That's yeah. how you're going to survive and thrive and not be an asshole. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the people who say, I know everything. Right right like sure some people are more knowledgeable they're more informed maybe they have more formal education right. but at no point do we know everything Right. at no point right. should we stop learning right. and growing right. and committing to do better Absolutely. And, and
1: I'm just trying to make a point of this like while I do appreciate you know people putting themselves out there and say you need to know this like uh, of course it is also my responsibility yeah. to inform myself I don't need to re traumatize people. You know, I've really learned that lesson of like, I need to be figuring this out. Right. So,
0: doing that work. Not just expecting emotional labor from others done for free. Right. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to ask you what I ask just about everyone in the show Are you a feminist? (laughs) And if so, what is feminism to you? resounding yes first of
1: all. Um, And I actually like I not that long ago was there a pin? First of all my grandmother my 92 year old grandmother is the most incredible woman and has you know fought for women's rights and equal rights uh, for for her the majority of her adult life. Uh, She's an incredible activist and uh, our just like our family is sort of as a result of that, I think, a result of her, but um, she I think she had a pin on her refrigerator that had the definition of feminism on it. And I might misquote it, but essentially it's just saying like people who are in support of women's rights. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. uh who is not in support of women's rights? You know, and like furthermore like women's rights being equal to men you're like what how could anyone say no to that um so yes (laughs) um and i think then specifically um in in work i think feminism too i'm just trying to you know keep this in mind like feminism can also just be about like gender equality across the board like it's no longer binary
0: right you know and
1: i think that's important too to you know put that out there um
0: yeah i should say when i first started the show back in 2016 i only interviewed women right and i never had a non-binary guest during the first season Mm. Um, and I have expanded my view because, hey, learning, growing, right. <laughs> trying to yeah. do yeah. better. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, yeah. I feel like I lost my
0: train of thought. Um. Well, do you feel like your ideas about feminism have changed throughout your adult life? That's a really good question. Um. So I know for me, definitely, like yeah. I was. Starting to say, I did not include non-binary folks yeah. in the conversation right. originally, and totally. that is a regret of yeah. mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you are now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> because I'm not an asshole. Right. You're, I learned.
1: There are <laughs> a lot of assholes. Um, a lot. And yeah, exactly. Um, 100%. When I was in freaking high school, like it was like, oh, people are angry feminists. There's this you know, idea. the angry feminists still, like, you know, I don't know, Hillary Clinton's coming to mind, like, you know, and and when people are throwing out stereotypes of, like, angry
0: black women, and you're just yeah. like, what is going on right now? Um Also, we have so much to be angry about as oh women, God. right? So if we wanted to live life yeah, that I'm way, I'm not, like... Not I'm not saying that's no. the way to go because no, having a peace of mind. But I'm saying you're
1: not angry just because you're a feminist. Right. I mean, that's probably a lie. You probably are freaking <laughs> angry if you're a feminist because you have your eyes open.
0: Yeah. Um, but you, to say it like it's a criticism. Correct.
1: Yeah. And I think recognizing, you know, for sure, like, yeah, I just believe in supporting... Gender equality. Um, I think also being able to see work like yours, um, (laughs) where uh, people are pointing out, you know, inequalities, and you know, making fun of tropes. Like is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. You know about um, women, like we were talking about our like OnlyFans (laughs) girls, like. It was, it's not like seeing the other side of even things like that that like people make fun of. I, I think that like something this is just, I don't know how this is gonna make me sound, but like I used to, I think I was, used to be a lot more judgmental than I was, probably because I was like jealous, you know, of certain, but
0: also I'm sure people. how you were socialized, right? Oh, for sure, because for sure. girls are socialized to be competitive with mm. each other. And yeah, gross, to, totally. to be petty and to be yeah. jealous, to be yeah. judgmental. Right. And that makes us fight with each other instead of fighting right. against yeah. men. <laughs> I, love, I love that you
1: knew, like, pretty much exactly where I was going with that. I have, so I used to have, like, if I, you know, would see someone with, like, a, like a slightly scantily clad woman, of course, like, you know, from whenever we were having those first conversations. Of you know, is it this woman's fault for being raped or whatever? Of course not. Of course, I always knew that. But like if I saw a woman who wasn't, you know, like a teenager or whatever, who's yeah. wearing a, a very tight short skirt, I might be like, Ugh. oh. Oh yeah. My view is she wants to freaking wear that. Like, you,
0: good for you. Yes.
1: Wear your freaking short ass skirt, show off your body. Love yourself. You do love yourself. The The younger, like generations younger than me, oh my God, are teaching me, like blowing my mind. Like self love that these kids have. I'm
0: like, oh my God, I wish I had
1: that. Yeah. But, like I'm trying now, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah, and, yeah. And embracing my body and embracing, you know, I don't know.
0: Something that's so embarrassing, just so cringe for me to think back on now is in seventh grade, we had to make PowerPoint presentations on any topic and give them before the class. And the presentations were pretty long for that age group. I think we had to do like 15 or 20 minutes. It's so almost like a little mini lecture, right? And I, oh, and it had to be a persuasive topic. It wasn't just any research topic. It had to be persuasive, and there had to be research to back it up. And mine was on why schools should have dress codes. Mm -hmm. And I remember focusing Mm -hmm. so much on the body, on girls' bodies, right? And and the judgment that went into that Mm -hmm. at that age. And now I see how problematic dress codes are, mm. right? In the years since, I've come to to change my perspective. But at that time, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise. I just thought it was such a distraction.
1: Yeah. And what is it? What do you think now? Like-
0: oh, now, now I, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, I think what we should be doing is raising boys to control themselves. Oof. Yes. And to respect their female and non binary yeah. classmates. Like, like if you're wearing a skirt, it doesn't mean that's a bad
1: thing. Is that Yeah, anything? yeah. That it's yeah.
0: not uh, it's not the young girl's problem yes. if boys are getting distracted. Yes. Oh my that's, god. I love that. That's the boys problem. That's yes. on them. Yes. Like you're having trouble focusing on your math class. Yeah, absolutely. Well, try harder. Yeah, absolutely. And parents, right? Like, parents need to do a
1: freaking better job. So much better. Yeah,
0: of course. You know,
1: like, raise your sons. People have been saying that, you know, for some t- time now, you know. Like, hello, what are you doing? Yeah. But there are, you know, I have to say, there are parents who are absolutely doing a fabulous yeah. job. I have a, um, like, a, actually, I've noticed this with a, a couple of her friends, too. Um, one of my best friends has a son. Like, you I I should know this is like three or four. I think he's four
0: right now. <laughs> a tiny person. Yeah, a tiny
1: person. She had like specifically didn't say anything about any sort of like gender. Like she very specifically like tried to not be like. Well, one like here are boy things. Right. But also like uh, like he was calling himself a princess Aww. because that was like the. T- like a book. There was a book where there was a princess. So he was dressing as like a princess. This is a very boyish kid. But because he had that idea, she would very much like... She wasn't questioning it. You know, she didn't... And, and things like that that I think people didn't used to do, so they are doing now. But like, God. Like, it's just so important. I work, um, I work with kids also. And so I'm seeing now especially, like, just how you know kids come in and they say things that their parents say of course of course you know of course but we have learned so much so let's keep going
0: with it yeah in theater in education and the rest of the world every industry every field absolutely thank you so much jess dear listeners you've been listening to the badass lady folk my guest today was jessa pell i'm your host christine stoddard You can listen to the Badass Lady Folk previous episodes and even uh, whatever you need to catch up on from our original Badass Lady Folk of Brooklyn shows in 2016 to 2018. You can find these on Apple and Spotify and SoundCloud and Quail Bell Magazine, etc. Uh, we are on Radio Free Brooklyn again now and hopefully for a long time coming. We are looking for guests. And by we, I mean me. It's just me these days. <laughs> it's just a habit of saying we, 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 we. Uh, but please email me at info at quailbell, i l b e l l dot com i'll drop it in the notes so you can just copy paste at any time if you have an incredible woman or non-binary femme you think should be on the show thanks and tune in next time bye